All right, on today's episode of Locked On Avalanche, we got a little bit of an update on Arturi Lekkanen, and the verbiage of it doesn't really make you feel all that good. So we'll discuss that, and we will talk about Pierre Lacroix finally getting his due and heading into the Hall of Fame. All of that and more on today's episode of Locked On Avalanche. Your Locked On Avalanche, your daily podcast on the Colorado Avalanche. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, everybody, welcome to the Locked On Avalanche Podcast. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, Chris Maselli. With me, as always, is Mr. Shaggy Von Doom, Kyle Sullivan. Thank you for tuning in and making this your first listen of the day. That's always appreciated. Make sure to follow us on our social media outlets, LOP and underscore Avalanche on X, Locked on Avalanche on Instagram. Questions, comments, concerns, opinions, Locked on Avalanche at gmail.com. And follow us on our YouTube channel. Subscribe, get notified when a new show goes live. And make sure to subscribe to our subtext as well. Link to that is in the show notes below. And when you do chat with Kyle and I one-on-one and become one of our oh-so-special insiders, uh, and you can divulge your feelings on current games, players, situations, anything that's on your mind that we will read on the show, which we will do shortly here with uh, the Avalanche and Dallas Stars over the weekend. You can see our rundown if you're over on YouTube. Uh, Some potential new overtime rules on the way question mark are they needed we'll talk about that uh and of course Pierre Lacroix but we're going to start with uh Arturi Lekkanen because we all want to know how our forward is doing we got a little bit of information um I saw Evan Rawl was was the first one to put this up and kudos to him because I think he pulled this from from a podcast in Finland that uh Lekkanen's father was on and he said that Lekkanen's mother is on the way or is already here in the United States uh, to be with him while he recovers and that he is wearing a neck brace right now, which really shouldn't surprise us, you know, seeing how how he went into the boards like that. Um, but now that you you kind of know that part of it, everything else we don't know. We don't know in terms of like when he's coming back, which doesn't matter right now. It's just like, no. you know, you need to, to get healthy because that was scary. That was serious. Um, but what it means for the avalanche, just the history we have with, with, with injuries and the look of that. And yeah, he's wearing a neck brace. He is on LTIR. We haven't even mentioned that they yeah. did put him on LTIR. So there's certain timeframes that come with that. Um, I'm going, I don't know about you, Kyle, but I'm going into the frame of mind of, we won't see him maybe for this whole year. Yeah. I'm just going to put, you know, have that as my frame of mind. And if he does come back, good. If he doesn't come back, just make yourself healthy. I, and of course, you remember Bednar's remarks when the injury happened. This is not a head thing. He's got full motion, but he's going to be out weeks. Gonna weeks. Be there's going to be, there's a lot of S's at the end of weeks. Uh, yeah, I don't anticipate Arturi Lekkanen coming back and seeing him honestly just missile into the boards like that. For it not to be head-related too is surprising, and for him to be in a neck brace, like I, that was last week, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. And 
so he, he's still in a neck brace, and I feel like I, I don't feel like he's going to be rushed back. I mean, I don't I don't think it's a uh, specifically a, a head thing because number, if you're wearing a neck brace, it's clearly neck and and spinal cord. Yeah, you know what I mean. You might have like some compression fractures or whatever, and and it's that that's I've never had one, um, but I don't know. I, I don't think the the or I do not like the rehab time on that is is not quick. So and, man, and with a back injury, with what you're doing when you're basically hunched over the entire game, it's as somebody with back problems, I feel for you, like it. Like mm. take all the time you need. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, obviously, something we'll we'll keep an eye on, an ear on, and and monitor it. But it's it's like twofold. It's just you want him to be a hundred percent healthy because you're looking out for the man's future. Um, and you know, getting back on the ice is is not really the most important thing. But uh, you know, we're we're an Avalanche podcast. We're talking about the team. Like I said, I just feel like it's going to be a little while. So yeah, we'll, we'll and see what it does. keep an eye out of the trade deadline if that hole is filled or needs to be filled because it's i i agree yeah. with you he's not coming back this year i mean you have the you put him on ltir so you you if he stays there for the duration of the year then you have that at least freed up for this season for this season. and you can make some moves in the meantime uh so they're obviously going to be without him for this weekend and that 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 hurts um you know you're, you're going up against a, a a mighty team in in dallas you could av- absolutely use him for a game like that. Uh, Kale McCarr did get x-rays done during the game um, against Anaheim. I guess he got slashed on the hand, so they went to just as a precaution. Jared Bednar doesn't seem like that this is a problem. Um, but I think they did call somebody up from from the, the Eagles, um, I think just as like a precaution. But when they called him up, people – I got to go look it up, see who it was. But um, I, I don't it's it, you didn't hear anything today out of the avalanche camp that it's really a serious thing. Um, but again, it's like, OK, is this going to be a game time thing where you have a day off? Something cramps up. You're not feeling that well. And they replace him. And God, I hope not, because you're already down Lekkonen. If you go down Makar against a team like Dallas, you're already starting behind the eight ball here. Yeah, and Kale McCarr is one of those that you really don't want to lose. And no, if you're getting ever. an X-ray and coming right back, like he kept tallying shifts, he played the third, he looked good. So maybe it's a just a bruise. Maybe it's a whole lot of nothing. That would be great. But or maybe he just needed that extra dose of radiation because he's, he's got like <laughs> that Spider-Man yeah. gene. But um, no, it's for him to go for him to go down as well before the Dallas game. That that could be a big turning point and you don't want to see that happen so let's hope that he does make that dallas game jack uh and i think you pronounce his last name i can jack Khan, jack Khan, they called him <laughs> up i don't know so again maybe it's just a precautionary thing so uh we'll see we're going up against this dallas team obviously it's it's no joke they're obviously legit um they're going to be up for this game abs are going to be up for this game very excited to see where this one goes something that jumped out at me kyle when just looking up stats didn't do any deep diving into deep uh, you know deep stats just points assists goals stuff like that uh for believe it or not on the dallas stars they don't have a single player uh that is a point per game player they have a couple guys that are close um 
Pavelski had and has 15 games played, 14 points. Robertson, 15 games played, 14 points. Rope Hints, 14 games, 13 points. Wyatt Johnston, 15 games, 13 points. Matt Duchesne, 14 games, 13 points. Miro Hiskinen, 15 games, 11. Jamie Benn, 15 games, 11. And Tyler Sagan, 15 games, 11. Uh, 15 games, 10. So, but like, notice how many guys I just listed there that have double digit points. So it kind of doesn't matter. Like, yeah. fine, you don't have a point. And that, that's not like the litmus test or like the end all be all. If you, you know, you don't, if most teams, their, their stars will be point per game players and beyond. When you have this many guys, when points are getting spread out this much, it doesn't really matter. And really quickly, you go over to the Avalanche side, they have four guys. Excuse me. They have three guys that are way more than point per player in Rantanen, who has 15 games, 21. McCarr, 15 games, 21. And Nathan McKinnon, 15, 15 games, 20. So they only they have three guys that are above point per game players, four guys total that are double digit in points. So the Stars have double the amount of guys who are double digit points at this stage in the season over the Avalanche. And everything that we said yesterday about that that really good win against Anaheim and rolling out all four lines, you want to continue it because guess what? Dallas is getting that from that production from everyone. So yeah. you want to see mano a mano. And guess what? You mentioned four players for the Avalanche in double digits. You know, Ryan Johansson hasn't scored since the Devils game. He hasn't tallied a has point. It's been that long. Jeez. Yeah, it has not been since the Devils game. And we were just talking about Lekkinen being out. Got these are the games like Rijo. This would be a great game. He knows Dallas, the mm. Nashville Dallas games. Yeah, they seem to be on all the time. This would be a good game for him to get going as well. If you could get production from him, you know what you're going to get out of Ross Colton. You know what you're going to get out of the fourth line. This is a really good test to see how the Avalanche are built for the long stretch because we're about to get into the good stuff going yeah. through thanksgiving and christmas you really want your production to kick up now you saw it against anaheim continue it well that's the thing like you saw it against anaheim you've been seeing it from dallas all year yeah so dallas is confident like yeah, well this is what we've been doing since day day one where the avalanche it's like you get a smattering of it here and there the last game was by far their best in terms especially with their depth so they want that to continue where Dallas is going into this game saying like, well, we know it will continue. We know because we, we, this is what we've been doing. So um, you'll, but you, you do, because you, you do have, if the Avs can keep that going, there are two teams that are, that are very alike. Like they have good depth. Um, it's amazing how on special teams, how alike they are. They're about, they're about middle of the pack on the power play. And they're at the top upper echelon on the penalty kill. So special teams will be very interesting for, for this game because they're both right around each other when it comes to power play percentage and penalty kill percentage. It's kind of incredible. Yeah, this game reeks of one of those 6-5 just punch-for-punch punch games. That's you just think so? Keep you on the edge of your seat. And it's going to be a, a late third-period goal to put you ahead. Well, let's hear from some subtext people and what they think. Uh, this is uh, Madam Battleaxe. Hey, gents, super excited for this game. What do you what do you think she has this game going into, Kyle? 
Overtime? Shootout? Overtime. One, one, she, every game she has going into overtime. Um, she says, but as long as the Avs play like they did last night, uh, we got this. She predicts four to three, and her boy Colton is going to turn it up. I don't know if she means that he will have the winner or he's just going to play well, but she thinks overtime, four to three, Avs. Um, Vargar. And Vargar is very honest. He's not a, a guy who just will always pick the Avalanche, right? He says, I think the Avs eke out a win here, three to two. And I feel um, they will keep things simple and make life difficult for Otter by crowding the crease, which they did last game. Again, we're taking yeah. all of this small sample size of what they did against Anaheim and just hope that they continue it yeah. uh, for this game. I think Miko, <laughs> I like this comment. I think Miko's upset he didn't get a point in that last game when, yeah. when everybody seemed to be getting points, Miko got nothing. Um, and he pots two goals, including the game winner in the third and Colton gets the other Pavelski is definitely getting two for the stars, uh, tipping and banging home. Uh, he's going shots. I think, uh, Georgie allows two on 19 shots to stay sub 900. <laughs> Ooh, man. Let's hope not. He's got to get, he doesn't need to have a game that's above uh, 90%. I agree with him there. And yeah. then Easton, he, I feel like Easton's an overtime guy too, but he, I, I, I like Easton. He's very short and sweet. 3 2 overtime goals by Miko, Byram, and Miles Wood. Ooh, two of the three did not score against, uh, <clears throat> did not get a point in that Anaheim game. That'd be Bo yeah. and Miko. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I, I can't, I mean, you mentioned like a six to five game. I can't see, I just can't see, Ottinger giving up that many. Um, but you, you never, if he's got an off day, everybody has off days. Hopefully he has an off day because yeah. if not, it could be a long night. But um, yeah, I think the abs are feeling good. They're feeling and the good. abs have not run into many goalies with an off day. Have not. So they're due for one. Yeah. So this is it. We're throwing it down right now. Ottinger off day. Probably not. Um, all right. So that's where we stand with uh, Dallas. We will obviously discuss that um, after the weekend, and hopefully that comes with an avalanche win. Uh, one th one During a time frame where the avalanche saw a lot of wins is when Pierre Lacroix was at the helm uh, calling the shots as the GM, and he finally found his way into the Hall of Fame, and we will discuss that next. Right now, we are going to discuss Game Time and the Game Time app. And you should not have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big event. Game time is a fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you with killer last-minute deals, all-in pricing, view from your seats, and the best price guarantee. Game time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. And a couple things that we love about game time is, like we said, the last-minute deals, almost like flash deals that they'll have if you're just – deciding last minute hey let's go see a show let's go see a comedy event you can load that up and a couple hours before the event they got some really sweet killer deals on there the view from the seats is something that kyle and i absolutely love and the way that they present it on the app is seamless and fantastic uh so download the game time app create an account use the code locked on nhl for 20 dollars off your first purchase terms apply so once again create an account and redeem the code locked on NHL L O C K E D O N NHL for $20 off download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Pierre Lacroix, uh, long overdue getting into the hall of fame. And it's one of those things where 
you just wish he was alive to yeah. to be able to celebrate this with his family. And and it, you know, you saw if you watched the the uh, Hall of Fame ceremony and the speeches that his family did, and they were like, you know, especially his wife crying like happy tears, but probably at the same time like you just wish that they were there for it. Yeah. And what he did, um, as you know, they call him the architect. Um, you just wonder like, man, why, why did this take so long? Because he just pulled all the right strings for this, this team when they, he took over the year before they moved to Colorado. And then when they got to Colorado, he just, he, he was a guy that just was not afraid to make a move. And, uh, it showed, it showed in the standings and it showed in Stanley cups and he was he was a, a fantastic GM, and you, you just you just wish he could have experienced it, but doesn't take away all that much from him getting into the hall for his family because it's well deserved. Yeah, and orchestrated the deal that brought Patrick Waugh to Colorado, and you'll get to see more of his handiwork when that Joe Sackick documentary drops on how mm-hmm. the Avalanche kept Joe Sackick and true. the efforts going into Joe Sackick. You, you now see LaCroix's fingerprints on what Joe Sackick does. And being that that player-first, centric, kind of like front office guy, you see that evident in the Taze deal, where everybody was like, wow, that's a discount. How did they manage to pull that off? Every time Sackick makes one of these deals, it's a LaCroix deal. He, he shows you how to um, handle your players and that, that kind of... Right. You, it's a place that people want to play. Like Taser, he, you heard him from the, from the first question. This is where I want to be, and you yeah. hear that from like Sackick and Forsberg. Like those days, everybody wanted to play in Colorado, and you had those super teams. You had Timu Solani and Paul Korea at one point. Mm. Yeah, so the the it's odd because the way La- Lacroix did things was like I said, he if there was somebody available he would go get them. And even if like you, you had, uh, you know, the press talking about or, or other teams and the avalanche were, were not in the mix. All of a sudden a deal gets done and the Colorado avalanche pull in, fill in the blank. You're like how, did, how, like how did he do that? And it's odd because yeah, like Joe Sackick learned from him, but Joe Sackick does things differently in that. Like, he will take care of who's on this team. And like you said, with guys like uh, Devon Taves, right? And obviously Nathan McKinnon, uh, Miko Rantanen, Kale McCart- like he Joe Sackick does things differently, but kind of the same in that he knows what he has and he wants to keep those guys around. They don't go out and make big deals right now. No. The Colorado Avalanche. They are not built that way. So in that aspect, they're completely polar opposites, which is just so weird because that's who Sackick learned from. But I think he pulled certain things from him and he pulled from him like, you need to keep the guys that got you here. And that's what Joe Sackick does. What Lacroix did was just, uh, it's almost like John, George Steinbrenner-esque. Uh, yeah. and it kind of annoyed a lot of people because they knew that they would be fighting him on acquiring a player. And again, Joe Sackick, people aren't fighting with him, but 
we always joke when the phone rings and Joe Sackick's on the other line, the other team should hang up because Sackick and now Chris McFarland are going to get the best of you. They're going to get the best of that deal. Yeah. So what Lacroix did was he, the one that, and I read a, a story about him, um, about the uh, Ray Bork deal where no West Coast team was in on that. None. Because Bork didn't want to go out West. He he wanted to stay East Coast. He played in Boston for all those years. So he didn't really want to move in the, the latter stages of his career across the country. And all LaCroix did was make a phone call. Made a phone call. And then that just planted the seed in Ray Bork's head. And before you know it, Ray Bork's wearing an Avalanche jersey. He just had that way to, to figure out how he could pull deals and and the one that we're not even really like we don't mention too much of, but it really to me it was as important as as Patrick Waugh, Ray Bork, Nate, Pitt, name your pick, Claude Lemieux. Yeah, and that was one of the first deals that he made when they came over to the Avalanche was to bring Claude Lemieux in, and that deal spoke volumes for that team in the mid to late nineties. And Claude Lemieux, Theo Fleury, even though he's not talked about a lot in Avalanche circles, in the moment, right. in the time, Theo Fleury was one of the top point scorers in the league. Yeah. And for him to put on the sweater was huge. Rob Blake, Adam Deadmarsh. Blake was a massive one, yep. It's, and, and him, Deadmarsh, being dealt out. It's There's a lot of just yeah. beautiful moves in those early days of Avalanche history that I think we take for granted. And when you go back and look at them in the moment, in the time, masterful moves. Great moves, great moves, and not not all bangers, but you know that that's the life of a GM is you're going to have some swings and misses. But um, he was always active, always was never he never just said like, okay, this is my team going into the year. Um, and like my my pick of the Avalanche and Penguins for a Stanley Cup final is kind of because of what Kyle Dubas does. Kyle Dubas yep. kind of has that Pierre Lacroix you know, uh, way about him of he's never going to settle. And, and that, that's kind of, that is how LaCroix was. It's just, I'm always going to see how I can make this team better. Um, but at the same time, he appreciated the guys playing for him. Yeah. So it was not a Vegas golden Knights thing where it's just a revolving door and they don't appreciate you. Uh, he appreciated the guys that played for him, but if, if he had to deal you to make his team better, he would, including his own son who he dealt in a deal yeah so interesting guy <laughs> and it the days of like the lacroix like dubas is about it like the i'm going to do whatever it takes to make my team yeah. better everybody else is so about their own brand in my way like those days are long gone and it's one of those that uh, again when that special comes out about joe sackick you're going to really see how he put that team together and it's something we now he's enshrined in the Hall of Fame, but we can right. now remember forever. Yeah, so uh, I look forward to that. And so all in all, uh, very well deserved. So congratulations to the LaCroix family because that was uh, long overdue, long overdue. Uh, our new overtime rules overdue, something that we will discuss coming up next. Right now we're going to hear from Jace Medical. And Kyle, we spend a lot of time together. And we get fired up together on wins and losses, who starts, who sits. And we are, we talk about that with our fan base, obviously, as well. We're grateful for that connection. So today we want to chat a little bit 
about something more personal. And we just learned that you can get a one-year supply of ED medications and you realize what that means. You can bring on the extended travel pack and you can bring on the next natural dis disaster or supply chain issues. If all that happens, you are covered. You don't have to worry about whether or not you can refill your ge uh, generics for Cialis or Viagra. And it's possible because of our friends over at Jace Medical. You can go online right now at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com to receive your 12-month supp supply on your daily medications. And remember to use the promo code locked on at checkout for a discount. If you or someone you love would get some peace of mind by having a year supply of any daily med, go to jacemedical.com to see if it's offered to you. And remember to use that promo code locked on and you will get $20 off your purchase. Once again, Jace Medical, J-A-S-E medical.com. Overtime, uh, it's been three on three for some time now. And uh, we all know the rules. Five minutes of overtime, three on three. If nothing happens, we go to a three-round shootout, more if necessary. Whoever wins that gets the extra points. It's going around that uh, owners are, are wanting to revisit this, not to blow it up. Three on three is not going anywhere. But has the time come to implement a couple rules here or there to... I guess, make it better. Um, I don't know if anything's set in stone for anything to be on the way, but it's being discussed. Do you feel like there's any rule changes that we need to implement now in the overtime and or shootout? Unfortunately, with it being three on three and staying three on three, mm -hmm. I feel like you can't make it the way it should be, which is five on five. Uh... Uh, so you want you want the old school five on five because the the rumors that were going around were the owners are not happy about teams you know sandbagging holding onto the puck mm -hmm. dragging it out yeah they wanted to institute kind of like a half court rule quote unquote let's or like not, a shot clock or something like that let's not gimmick up overtime more than mm -hmm. it already is with three on three like you're it's already enough that when you lose in overtime everybody's complaining if it was a three on three we'd have a chance or i can't believe and then if you don't score in three on three you go to a shootout which is also complained as a gimmick so let's not gimmick it up even more by putting on shot clocks and lines you're not supposed to pass and <laughs> right if well, you're going to do all that just go back to five yeah. on five yeah, but I like I love the open ice of three on three. I love it. Um, and I as far as the shootout goes, I'll admit, like the shootout for me, I think has lost its its luster a little bit. Yeah. I loved it when it when it first became a thing because you didn't like whenever a shoot uh, not a shootout, whenever a penalty shot happened, it was a big deal. Yep. And now you're saying we have like this whole these three rounds of potentially like a shootout. Like it was great at the time. I feel like it's to me, it's just lost its value a little bit. I get that. It's kind of just like a quick way to decide who wins, who loses. I love the three on three. I don't want to lose that. I think some of the most exciting moments in a game are when teams are 
going back and forth. And there's just two on one break after two on one break that the goalie saves and then back in the other direction we go. Absolutely love it. I get how they don't like a team sometimes will hold on to the puck for two and a half minutes, right? They go into the zone. They don't like anything. They just back it all the way out. I get that. Um, but am I sitting here feeling like we, we really need to change because the amount of times I'm complaining about, uh, uh, that happening of teams just holding onto the puck to me is far less than the times I'm excited about an overtime that I just watched. So I don't feel like it, like it happens. Don't get me wrong. It happens, but it usually happens in like the beginning of the overtime. And then as the minutes wind down, I think players just start amping it up because they don't want to go to a shootout either. So in the beginning, they try to pick their spots. And then the last like two minutes, it's usually just a uh, just a track meet. And those are exciting. So I get how they want to try to figure out a way to make the full five minutes those last two minutes. I don't know if you can do that. And I don't know if you need to do that. I think you just leave it the way it is. And just what, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I think, I think it's fine the way it is. Yeah. If you, I, I say, leave it as it is, mm-hmm. even though I'm not the biggest fan of three on three overtime. I, I feel like a lot of deciding yeah. factors in the three on three overtime is just a bad shift. You're catching somebody on a right. bad shift. Yeah, sure. And, it's part of it, which is you don't want 60 good minutes to be boiled down to one bad shift and overtime. That's already gimmicked up. I would, I just say, keep on carrying it through. It's uh, so, I mean, for the fight, like I, I don't like the five on five because it, if a game, like, I don't think much is going to change. Like you have to completely change your, your kind of game plan just for that overtime period. And, and sometimes like that, that just gets exciting to me. Like, and I love, you know, o- overtime in the playoffs. That's, that's where you get your five on five infinite. And that's, and that's it feel that I like, because that feels like an extension yeah. of the game and you continue to build off that momentum. Once you get to the three on three overtime, it just feels like a separate, it's almost like we're playing mini all-star games. It just yeah. doesn't feel yeah. like the same continuation of the game. So when those points are decided, whether you're getting an overtime loss or an actual two point for the win, mm-hmm. it feels like it's coming down to a mini game or like a like a sideshow. Right. Sure, I mean those are two different things though. <laughs> a mini game is totally different than a side. Like I, I don't like a sideshow. I like a little. I like a little game within the game. I I love. I, but I get like some purists who don't like it at all. Um, and there was something on on ESPN, which is a pretty crazy stat. That's 69% of the games that go into overtime end in overtime. So we don't really get a ton of shootouts. Like, yeah, you get them, but it's not like the percentage of games that goes into a shootout is not that high. So, okay. Should, does that mean, do you want to bump that up a little bit? Do you want that to get up to 80%? Then maybe you add a couple minutes on to the overtime and another thing that I would do, Kyle, for overtime, if you're keeping it at three on three, get rid of offsides. Oh, get rid of it. If 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 guys want to just, I like guys that. just want to be hanging out and not playing defense. Fine, they could hurt their team on the defensive end, but if their players somehow, some way get possession of that puck, 
they got a guy that's scot-free all the way at the end of the ice. Open it up. Open it that, wide open. That's how I used to play on Super Nintendo. <laughs> turn all the penalties turn, off. Turn off all the penalties. I mean, you can't turn the penalties off, but you can. I think you should be able to turn the offsides off. Why not? If you want these games to end one way or another, that's a great way for them to end. Because, like I said, if a guy doesn't want to come down and play defense, then that team's got a three on two. And chances are that game's going to end. And then if they turn it over, that guy's got a breakaway or something doing on, on the uh, offensive end. Uh, yeah. I, 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 go back to 505 NHL. Get it right. <laughs> Just get it right. So uh, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Uh, I don't think this is so needed where something's going to come out of it like immediately, but maybe like in the off season, they revisit it and just tweak a couple things. Um, because it, to me, it's exciting. It is exciting to see just wide open ice and guys like Kale McCarr and Nathan McKinnon, when they get that open ice, just turn on the afterburners and good luck catching up to them. I love that. I love it. I, you don't. <laughs> I, I just, I just don't because I've been right. on both sides of that where you're talking about great sure? 60 minutes and then it comes down to, but I can't believe they beat us on that bad play. It, it yeah. was usually Nikita Zadorov in yeah. the overtime. <laughs> so yeah, it's all part of it. So uh, fire away in the comment section. Let's uh, let's hear what what do you guys think? Or go back to the five on five, or do you need to tweak some three on three stuff? Uh, let's hear what you got to say. That will wrap it up for today, everybody. So uh, thank you for tuning in and making this your first listen of the day over here at Locked On avalanche once again we are part of the locked on podcast network your team every day he is mr shaggy von doom kyle sullivan i am chris maselli like we said this is locked on avalanche podcast enjoy that game on saturday we'll be talking about that later go abs go